you are listening to the Booth Podcast, Saskatchewan's home for unfiltered sports analysis, hot takes, and wild, wild conversations. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Booth Podcast. Some more CFL action this week. Today, I am not joined by Davey O'Doyle. Dave's got the week off. A little R&R for Mr. O'Doyle. So I am joined by the one and only Braden Johnson. Braden, how are we doing today? Oh, good, good, good. Good. Happy to be here. Yes, we are happy to have you talk some CFL action. We will hop right into it and recap of the week that was week seven in the CFL. Kicked off with pulling it up, the Thursday night, a doubleheader on Thursday we had, starting off with the Montreal Alouettes and Ottawa Red Blacks. A close one in this one. Yeah, it was real. Oh, you go. Sorry. Yeah, 40 to 33 final score. Um, Close right till the end. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a barn burner, which you love to see. Always. It's nice to see, like we've talked about it all year, is the West domination over the East and like, well, how bad is the East division? Well, it's as long as they're all equally as bad, we're going to get some close games when it's East versus East. Well, that's just the thing is like, we've, we've said it year after year, like the West is always strongest and half the time, like the East still ends up coming out with the great cup. So it really doesn't matter until you get to the playoff anyways. Right. And all the teams could be 500 and, someone's still going to come out of the East and someone's still going to make a run at the Grey Cup. So, Exactly. Once playoffs come, all all bets are off. Like, there's even a rule built in. We see it almost every year. A West team gets to go to the East to play playoffs, and they still don't make it to the Grey Cup. No West team has ever in the history of this game made it to the Grey Cup out of the East. I have some opinions that that might change this year, but... It might. I mean, as fun as it is being cheering for a West team and like saying we always get the crossover, like, I don't know, it's a good way to get the best teams in. And maybe once in a while, somewhere down the road, the East might be worth a damn to send somebody over here. But exactly. I think kind of the biggest story from this game. I mean, that it was an amazing game. It was great right till the end. Um, But on the final drive, for Ottawa was some terrible officiating that I think it was either two or three calls that the command center stepped in and overturned like an unnecessary roughness call. Mm -hmm. And it just dragged on the game. It didn't give, it took away all the momentum from Ottawa and it, suck to see it end that way well and i know the one like i I didn't get the chance to see this game but i did see a couple recaps and whatnot but uh the one right near the end the uh it was the the high tackle on uh, i don't remember who it was on but 
it came back and it got reviewed and then uh, Twitter was kind of blown up. There was a picture of Andre on the Jumbotron as he was about to announce that standing there with his hands up, like he didn't even know what was going on. So not, not a great look, but. Like, I believe the call was high tackle on that one. It wasn't face mask or anything. I believe they actually called high tackle, which I'm sorry, this is professional football. That's not a penalty. No, it's not, it's not rugby. <laughs> exactly. That's a penalty in minor football. Mm-hmm. This is professionals. Well, it, it didn't even look that bad. Like, I'm pretty sure he just kind of grabbed him up around here, and he just he, he's a big, strong man. He ripped him down. It looked, it looked bad, but... I honestly think that was the ref trying to save their ass because he was the... If you watch the play, it was the ref from the back, the offensive backfield that threw the flag when... I can't remember who the offense player was, but their head got spun around and it looked mm-hmm. like they'd been face masked. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the other refs said, well, that wasn't a face mask. So what are we calling? Mm. And so they said high tackle. Yeah. Well, in that case, can't, can't you just pick the flag up? Yeah. But I, Andre likes to stick to his guns. That's true. <laughs> so I don't know. I, it was, I really think you just need, we need to have a sit down with these refs. The league does. And just what are we doing? Like, this mm-hmm. is simple stuff. I refed one year of minor football. And I know that if you see a guy's head spin around, it doesn't always mean it's a face mask. You cannot throw that flag unless you see somebody's hand grasping that face mask. Oh yeah. And this is stuff that our professional refs can't get right. And it sucks that the booth has to come in and, overturn these calls obviously they did overturn them to the right calls it just sucks that they have to come in and do this mm-hmm. at all and it's weird because that's not something we've seen in professional football really ever no like the idea of being able to step in and fix wrong calls is like i don't i don't hate the idea but it's same thing as anything like you can't take over the game but you can't overuse it exactly so it sucks that that game got overshadowed, but it was a good game. Mm-hmm. Ottawa falling just short in this one. And I have the question is, how does Paul Lapoli still have a job? Like, Yeah, I mean, I think it helps that uh, Mazzoli's out. Yeah. Like, it because when you're rolling with Caleb Evans and Nick Arbuckle, like, you know, what, how much can you really expect? Like, especially when you put up 33. But at some point, you know, you got to do something to change your spice things up a little bit to get things. So Ottawa's, Ottawa's next bye week comes in week 10, which is only two weeks from now. Or Yeah, it would only be two games from now for them. So I wonder if they're just going to try and stick it out till they're fucking 0-8 and then I mean, fire them while they have a bye week. Yeah, I mean, it gives it like, it might be, considered waiting too long but it's probably the best bet to wait until you get it and then start just start fresh right from there exactly yes a 40 to 33 win for the montreal alouettes this drops the ottawa redblacks to zero and six team we did not think was going to be zero and six moving on to the second game of the doubleheader Thursday night was the Hamilton Tiger Cats heading to 
the West Coast to take on the BC Lions in the Battle of the Cats. We need to brand that better. CFL, you need to work on your branding, and we really need to push yep. the Battle of the Cats. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, a closer game than I thought this was going to be for sure, and a defensive battle through and through, 17-12, to 12, the final score in this one. Yeah, well, and I think the, the big thing on this game, like looking at the score sheet and everything, you got to give props to Hamilton's D because to be within one score of beating like a very good BC team with only putting up two field goals is it's pretty impressive, especially with how hot the BC offense has been this year. Definitely. Um, I think we're seeing – and I'm going to ask a question. Are we seeing, seeing Nathan Rourke take a step back here from his high and mighty start as the favorite to win MOP and everything this season? It's tough. Like, I think he's probably still got to be your front runner. And if not for MLP, definitely for most of standing Canadian. But I don't even know if you call it a step back as much as like, I don't think he had outside of BC had a lot of big expectations coming in this year after his sample size from last year. But it might just be like defenses are starting to kind of catch and start to figure him out. But at the same time, like that's just football. So it could be a step back if he can't keep up. Yeah, can adapt on the fly. I think the real thing he needs to do here is reel in the interceptions. He started the season with two games, three touchdowns, no picks, four touchdowns, no pick. Uh, since then, in BC's last three games, he's thrown two interceptions in all three of those games. So, yeah, yeah, that needs to get reeled in. But they do come out with the win, so you can't take too much yeah. away from them. A win's well, a win's a win. And the that's right. And the thing with Rourke is like he, he really seems like a, a real gunslinger type. Yeah. Like, I don't even know. I don't want to say Sam Darnold because he's a train wreck, but like a, more of a, a Brett Favre type of play style <laughs> where he's going to yeah. he's going to throw picks. But he's all like, did you see the the absolute dot? He threw? I think it was like the first play from scrimmage to Lucky Whitehead. Yes, it was. Oh, it was gross. Like he, when you're making plays like that, like you can afford maybe an interception, but at the end of the day, yeah, you still got to clean it up a little bit if you want to keep winning ball games, especially in the West. Well, and I mean, just just kind of looking to the future here. If we're talking, he has to clean up two interceptions a game while he's still throwing three to four touchdowns a game in his first year as a starter. Well, this kid's got mm-hmm. a future ahead of him for sure in this league. Oh, definitely. If not in a league down south of the border. Yeah. Well, and another thing too you got to consider is like, look at like, if you if you were to ask anybody who knows anything about the CFL, like, who's got the worst defense in the West? Like, it's almost who has the least really good defense. Yeah, exactly. Because even even Edmonton, like since they got shelled in those first couple of games, like obviously they, I don't think they gave up too many points. They gave up twenty four to Winnipeg, but yeah, not all. Some of that was garbage time, but you know, like there's the defenses across the West are just so dangerous. Oh, for sure. And I think it's funny to see that happen <laughs> in a time where the league is trying to make rules to favor offenses and just to bring mm-hmm. scoring up and stuff. And teams are just coming out and stacking their defenses, 
just getting great defensive players. And you end up game with games like this that are 17 to 12. And I will say that the truest of true football fans love those kind of games. Oh yeah. Like a game doesn't have to be a, a barn burner to be a good game. Like I'm pretty sure, like I said, they Hamilton scored two field goals, but I think it was still a pretty decent game to watch. I watched, I didn't get all of it, but for the most part, I think it wasn't too bad. But yes, final score in that one, 17 to 12 for the BC Lions. Moving on to Friday night football. It was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers heading out to Edmonton to take on the Elks. And BC just continues to dominate. 7-0 and after Winnipeg. this one. Or sorry, Winnipeg continues to dominate seven and zero after this one. I mean, it, I said it last week with Dave here. If there was going to be a trap game for this team, this was it. This was the game that came yep. after they played BC when they were both undefeated. After they played Calgary when they were both undefeated, and they have to play Calgary this coming week too. So this was the trap game if there was ever going to be one, and they still come out and get the twenty-four to ten win. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's easy to say, like, Edmonton doesn't have a starting quarterback or anything like that. But, I mean, Cornelius, like, every year at some point, he seems like he starts a few games. And he always does. Like, he holds his own. And he usually keeps a minute. So, you can't even blame it on that. No. But, I don't know. I I think it might have been a bit closer game, maybe, if Trey Ford wasn't hurt. Because I think he's got some sneaky little potential. Oh, definitely. I think. I, but at the same time, I don't know if Richie Hall would have ate him alive or not. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, this was just, I don't know. I didn't even see a lot of this game, but it just feels like this is kind of how this game was meant to go. It's just kind of a 24 to 10 win, a quiet win for the Bombers, just kind of going through their schedule as it comes at them. Mm-hmm. well and like you mentioned trap game like like i was kind of saying to you before like this game was real close like right down to the end like at one point it was it was 17 10 yeah and like edmonton had not that they were scoring touchdowns but they were scoring consistent points and they were holding winnipeg and then just right down right at the end with i think just under three minutes left they punt they punched one in and that was that yeah but I don't know. Edmonton gave him a good run for it, I think. But yeah, somebody's gonna uh, take a real good run at Winnipeg because they're still looking super scary. They are. I would say they they aren't looking. I think a lot of people are making out like this is the best Winnipeg Blue Bombers team we've ever seen. Well, no, I think last year's was way better than this one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But this is still a very good team that, mm-hmm. as Ryder fans, we should be worried about. I will get to a theory, but in a so. second. But yeah. um, moving well, on to, Sorry. I was just gonna say quickly, like one thing I did see this too, like uh, Winnipeg won that game. Claros only completed seven balls, and he only completed them to four, three guys. Like, oh yes, in I theory, see. like you, sh- you shouldn't be able to win a game with seven completed passes, but uh, that shown guy is turning out to be 
unreal. Oh, he's very good. I saw somebody and... put up a stat about that on Twitter too. And I was like, what, what the hell kind of stats are we putting up here? And it was like the last time a team won a gray cup in a season where in one of their wins, a quarterback only completed seven touchdowns. Can you guess what the last time was? When they invented the forward pass? No, it was 2019. Really? It was 2019 and it was Chris Strebler for the Bombers. Oh, of course it was. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Like, do we really need this stat if it was like two years ago? Like, and it was that team that, that did it? same team that did it. <laughs> I don't know who tweeted that, but shame on you, sir. That that <laughs> that's rough. Oh shit. Okay, moving on to the final game of the week. It sucks to talk about, but we'll talk about it anyway. It was uh, the Toronto Argonauts and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders game getting pushed back a day due to the COVID outbreak in the Riders locker room. But I will say game got pushed back to Sunday and the overall kind of feel from around the league was Sunday games are awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was there. Um, I'm a pill country goer. Like it was definitely not as rowdy as the the Friday night games are, but I was, uh, me and my dad were talking, we were pretty surprised with how full the barn was. Yeah, some and, of the attendance was 27-134 in this one. So another you know, high one. And to me, like, it looked at, like, it looked at least 26 strong. Like That's, that's awesome to see. And the TV ratings were even crazier. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what's anyone else doing on a Sunday night? Exactly. I think this is something the CFL really needs to invest in. Nobody's watching those Thursday night games right now. Mm -hmm. Put games on Sundays until the NFL season starts. Mm -hmm. Well, and like, I get the idea of like wanting to spread like more football on more nights of the week, because you know, like there's not a lot of people realistically that are going to sit down and watch a double header consistently, but Sunday's your best bet to do that because yeah, you no, know, people only got much going on. And Sunday night, especially, like you got those people, you know, if they are out, out and about, out camping, out at the lake, whatever, like coming back into town, got work on Monday. Like it just makes sense. Exactly. Obviously, yes, you can't do this during the NFL season. There's no way you should try no, and compete God, no. with that. And they already don't try and do that with Thursday night. They always, Thursday night football mm-hmm. gets cut mm-hmm. short in the season right when the NFL season starts. So. I think you go, you could even go Thursday through Sunday and do one game a day in the CFL mm-hmm. if you want. And yeah. then, well, and like, it's hard to go away from Friday night football. Oh, yeah, you can't. It's, do a, that. it's a staple, but it is yeah. a Friday, Saturday night games, or, you know, you're going to lose some of the younger people. But yeah, but yeah, Thursday is another day. Like, don't really need it but yeah sunday might be something we need to tap into in the first half of the season definitely but let's move on to the game here yes a real short staff here for the riders um missing many players to covid um including quarterback cody fajardo uh backup quarterback Mason Fine was active for the game, but didn't get any practice. So 
third string quarterback Jake Dolagala gets the start. What do we think of Dolagala's performance? Uh, so I I really like him like going into the season. Like it's yeah. hard not to like a guy that's massive like that because he's got to have a cannon. But um, as far as like just playing the game, I thought he did really well. He uh, he he had his his balls here and there that were behind or short or whatever. But all in all, to come in on a couple of days of practice and start, I think he held his own. Yeah, for your first CFL start on, I think they only got two days of practice in. Um, on it, and let's not forget, he wasn't the only player who was starting that wasn't usually a starter on this team guy was running with no backup receivers. That meant all his backup receivers were playing. So, yeah. Yeah. That, was, that scared me when, when I saw the depth chart come out and we had nobody like kind of fate, like they did what I expected and they ran a lot of two back stuff with Hicks and Amaro, which I think is a great idea. Those guys are both studs, but it's always scary when you have literally no backup receivers. Another problem with this game, though, I do think, and it's been the problem this season, is Jason Moss's lack of wanting to run the ball, even though mm-hmm. our running backs are the strength of this team. Mm-hmm. Morrow got the team high in carries with 10. Hickson well, only got three. So, Yeah, which, yeah, which you want to think like 10 carries isn't bad if you're going to run two back sets, but at the same time, Andrew Harris had 26 carries. Like, yeah. And Andrew it, Harris had 26 carries. He also had his starting quarterback in the game. Why yeah. are we asking Jake Dolagala to throw 28 passes in his first start on two days of practice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And with like some guys missing in the old line, like everybody, like Lyman will always tell you, it's a lot easier to put your nose down and run block than it is to try and make a pocket. So, like, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, highlight for the riders here, Tevin Jones at receiver. That guy had a game. Yeah, he's pretty good. Like he uh, he's gotten he's gotten a couple. Um, I think he started a game earlier this year. Yep. And he's been getting sprinkled in here and there, and he he's making plays. He is. It sucks for a guy like that because you know when this team's healthy, he's not even gonna be on the roster. Like, and that's the thing. But I'll, at the same time, like with everybody hurt like you get an opportunity like he seems to be making the most of it he was our leading receiver exactly five catches 67 yards for and a touchdown for tevin jones so good for him also concerning that i see like i know we only had what is it five receivers but outside of morrow and hickson like Tevin Jones and Amulus were the only guys to catch balls and they, they had to combine one more catch than the, than the running backs. It's like, I know we want to use the running backs and we should, but Jesus. I know Keen Schaefer Baker has gotten used to Cody Fajardo in this one, but he had a rough game playing with Jake Mm -hmm. Dolagala. Mm -hmm. Zero catches on eight targets for Oh, really? Schaefer Baker in this one. Oh. So that was a rough one for him. And the best stat line of the day, uh, Frankie Hickson, three catches, negative 10 yards. Yeah. 
Yeah, not great. I don't know what happened to Frankie Hickson on that play, but he just kind of like, I don't know. He just had a small seizure (laughs) and and ran backwards. (laughs) Yeah, got his bearings all mixed up. And so Frankie Hickson has an average per catch of negative three point three yards. Yeah, not what you want. (laughs) Tough in this one. But the Riders did give it a good effort leading through most of the game, actually, um, to yep. come up short 31-21. I think there's no question what the biggest play of the game was. It was Mario Alfred's missed field goal return touchdown, 112 yards. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Well, and, like, I think we talked about it earlier, but – um Obviously, he scored coming at me from yeah. Pale Country. When he turned the corner there and he, like, kind of not hurdled the guy, but he kind of jumped around a guy, I swear to God he was going to step out. And I on the replay, like, I bet yeah. you he was this close. And oh. I was holding my breath. But, oh, what a trade. That was, a, like, I was excited when we brought him in. And yeah. I thought it was good to get, you know, a little less miles on Morrow too. But, no, he's – that's a little spark the special teams needed. What is with Montreal with just hoarding kick returners here? It, and it always seems to be that way in the league. Like one or two teams will have like a couple like dangerous returners. Yeah. And then everybody else has just guys. Yeah. But what's with Toronto letting go of Worthy, man? Like he's unreal. Oh, yeah. Like even just keeping him as a return specialist. Yeah. I don't know. That kind of wraps up this week seven in the CFL. It was a good week, and we will move on to the next week. But first, we need to go through some power rankings. Yes, sir. And guess what? We're not going to change much here. We're not going to change anything, actually, because we got it right. Yeah, no need to. These are correct power rankings. That just means we're the best in the game. Well, that's 100%. Yeah. Tell, so, tell, tell, where are we wrong? Where are we wrong? Tell us. So we'll start this off with number nine, the Ottawa Red Blocks. Like, this team was supposed to be so good. Oh. Yeah. I mean, they have some br- they have some bright spots. Like Jalen Acklin is consistently putting up big yeah. numbers, but it, it is hard when you lose your starting quarterback. But at the same time, like you can't really expect to do much if you know something's not clicking there. Something's probably got to go. Yeah. At eight, we have the Hamilton Tiger Cats. A good effort versus BC this week. I would say this team is starting to get their feet under them from a very rough start to the season. Mm-hmm. Looks like Dane Evans is starting to show off a little bit. Yeah, which is big, especially when you move off of a guy, when you have two guys that could probably be starters and you pick one. Like, it really helps that Mazzoli, not not good that he's hurt, but good that Ottawa's not doing great because can't say he made the wrong choice. but Because exactly. it was sure looking at the start of the season like we were going to be able to say they made the wrong choice. Yeah. At seven, the Montreal Alouettes. I mean, this team feels 
super mediocre right now. Mm-hmm. They just feel like they're not going anywhere. They just are kind of staying stagnant. They're going to sit right below 500 for the entire season. And hey, you know what? They might win the East with that. Exactly. That's the crazy thing. They'll be in the Grey Cup still. Like <laughs> they could get. And speaking to Hamilton quick, like you play BC good, but you, you can't jump Montreal. Even if Montreal's beaten Ottawa, they're still winning ballgames. Exactly. At six, the Edmonton Elks. You played the first place team in the league right now. Like spirited effort. Losing that game, you're not gonna drop. You're not gonna drop in these power rankings. No, especially well, you can if they blow you out of the water, but they yeah. like we said, like they were in it until the till damn near the end. Yeah. So you gotta give them credit for that. And I don't think anybody's expecting much from them or trying to rush Chris Jones. Like historically he's a give him a two or three years and yep. you'll be good. And even since the start of the season, they're leaps and bounds better. Exactly. This will be a good Edmonton Elks team in one or two years for sure. At five, we have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Real middle of the pack team we are right now, aren't we? That kind of is just what it this season has felt like so far. Yeah. I mean, we got the defense. Like, our defense is really good. Um, it's hard, obviously, with the COVID thing and then with just the general – you know, our offense isn't really clicking, but at the same time, we're good. Like we're better than all the teams below us. We just got to start reaching our potential and get to those teams above us. Yeah, exactly. It'll help when we have healthy players. Yeah, it might. I I sure hope it does. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it next, but I don't hate the idea of crossing over. Why not? Why not? Why not us? Why not us? At four, we have the Toronto Argonauts. You beat a real banged up Saskatchewan Rough Riders team by not that much. So you're lucky you're at four right now. And so hold on yep. to that. Yeah, they did beat us twice in a row. They so did. That's gotta, they and did. they the fact that they won, like it's got to count for something. So Yeah, exactly. I believe I saw a stat. That's the first time. The Toronto has swept the Riders in a season since like '93. Yeah, that's that's, that's rank. That's tough. <laughs> there were some bad Rider teams between then and now too. Yeah, but we always got at least one win versus Toronto. Yeah. Well. To be fair, there were some god-awful Toronto teams in there, too. Yeah. But There were also some really good ones with Ricky Ray and stuff. Oh, oh yeah. We got a couple of great cups and everything. Yeah, exactly. So, at three, we have the BC Lions. Got the win this week. Yep. Maybe take a step forward here or else, I don't know. Seven- yeah, I mean – it's hard to say that they should tumble based on the teams below them, but if us or Toronto starts playing, especially yeah. Toronto since they're healthy, if they can kind of find their footing, they'll be nipping at the heels there. But I think BC is probably probably the best of like you got like you got your Winnipeg, 
Calgary's playing damn good ball. And then there's kind of everybody else. They're definitely probably the cream of the crop for the bottom seven. Yeah, I would definitely say Calgary and Winnipeg are on a different tier right now from the rest of these teams that I would say these middle of the pack teams. I would maybe even start putting Edmonton into the conversation for a middle of the pack team. And then there's like Montreal Hamilton off, but like. <laughs> um, so at two, we do have the Calgary Stampeders. They were on the bye this week, so you're pretty safe to stay at two. Yeah, especially with the way the games did go, like there was nobody's performance jumped out bad or good. So it's yeah. kind of hard to drop a team that doesn't play. Exactly. And at one, still at one, it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I haven't moved from that one spot all season. And, you know, rightly so. They're playing yeah. damn good ball. Yeah. Zach Kleros is kind of a dog. And like we said, Dalton Schoen is just, I don't know where he came from, but he is unreal. Amazing. So that wraps up our power rankings. We'll run through it once here. Real quick, at nine, the Ottawa Red Blacks. At eight, the Hamilton Tiger Catch. At seven, the Montreal Alouettes. Six, Edmonton Elks. Five, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Four, Toronto Argonauts. Three, BC Lions. Two, Calgary Stampeders. And one, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Boom. So before we jump in to week eight in the CFL, I just want to get – this is your first time on the CFL pod. I just want to get your feel. Mm-hmm. What are you feeling about this season so far? How do you feel it's gone, especially from a rider's perspective? How do you see this thing going and progressing from here on? Uh, so as a whole, like I know, I know you guys have really beat the drum on the officiating. Yeah. Um, which rightfully so. But uh, that aside, I think for the most part, like, I think it's been a good year. Like, yeah. You got lots of competitive games. It's always nice. There's a lot of Canadians that seem to be popping off. Um, but at the same time, there's no, there's no real clear cut, like best guys in the league at any position, maybe other than probably got to give it to Caleros at this point, but it's nice seeing there's, you know, Nathan Rourke's popping off. Um, there's teams obviously rebuilding, but I don't know from top to bottom. I think the league's been pretty solid. Um, riders wise, that's a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Ah, um, <laughs> yeah, no, um, I think we came in like obviously hosting the great cup this year. Like we came in with very high expectations, especially, you know, when everyone knows how, how much fun and how good our team was in 13. Um, we obviously are falling quite a bit short of that. Um, there has been a, a bunch of injuries and now this COVID thing, but I don't know. I think we're, we're building like one thing I think we really got to focus on is it's still, we're only week seven. There's a lot of season and we got a lot of time. We can turn things around. We can get Cody healthy. If we can get some offensive linemen back get our receivers healthy and our defense can keep doing what they're doing. Like we have the potential. It's all there. We just got to put it together. Yep. And I know one of our big issues has been penalties. And I think over the last few weeks, like we have really been cleaning that up. Um, as much as I love Garrett Marino, it 
seems to be helping with on the penalty front at least. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. All in all, I think I think we're okay. We still like I said, we got lots of time. So I'm not I'm not bucketing water by any means. I'm just I'm staying patient. Yeah. I would say it helps. And I said I was gonna get into this multiple times on the pod that the East is so weak right now. Um it, there does look to be a path to the Grey Cup through the East Division. As much as that's been a tough road for every single team that's tried to do that from the West, there, it does. There is a path there. Mm-hmm. How well, amazing! And- how amazing oh. would a Winnipeg Saskatchewan Grey Cup in Regina be? It would be unreal. You'd obviously like it to be the way that we get to use our home locker room because it's yeah, so nice. I but... don't see that happening. No, oh God, no. <laughs> but, but, you know, like we always say, but you just got to get to the dance. And then once you're in the dance, it, like anything can happen. So it, it really helps with the riders if we don't really turn it on. If the East stays weak, like we do have a legitimate shot at making it to um, go through the East, especially if, because... Like, if we say if the playoffs started now, like, I don't see Winnipeg or Calgary really falling off super early. So then it really comes down to us and BC. And I think that'll be decided in the next – I think in the next month we have them three times. Yeah. So, like, that'll that'll really kind of show us what things are going to look like. It will. And, and honestly, it feels like things are going to be decided here in the West, as far as standings go very early on in the season, mm-hmm. I think we'll kind of know who's going to get the buy who's who and who's hosting who in the West semi. Yeah. Can we say by September, like we'll have a good feeling at least. Well, yeah, like obviously, like we said, long se- a lot of season left, and you can't you can't lock anything in until you can you know until things are clinched. But yeah, like it, like we said, we got BC three times in the next month. So by the end of that third game with BC, like we should probably have a pretty good feel of how the West is going to look, unless something crazy happens in Edmonton. Exactly. Or. I- like knock on wood, you don't want to see it happen. Like somebody like Caleros or Bo goes down. Yeah. In those, but overall, I think kind of the message we're getting here is Rider Nation, don't panic. Nope. Don't panic. There's still a shot here. There's still multiple paths to the Grey Cup. Yep. But we fucking need to get there. Yeah, just don't don't start forming your lynching mobs yet. We got exactly. we got lots of time. This is a team that's going to get way healthier in coming weeks. Here, oh, I can't wait to see Kyran Moore back on the field. I keep forgetting about him, but yeah, like that. Talk about a spark of the offense that is going to be very welcome. Exactly, it's going to be weird because he's wearing number four this year too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that'll be yeah, a we, weird. We sight. haven't seen him in four yet. No, we haven't. <laughs> Because what was he before? 85. That's right. Yeah, I haven't seen him in so long. Yeah. What's that skinny little Darian Durant doing out there? (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. 
Has anyone wore four sins doubles? I think I'm somebody sure has. Sure, they have. Um, somebody wore it last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Who was wearing it last year? Huh. I don't even know. But regardless, yeah. Um, yeah, Tune in next week and we'll tell you who wore four (laughs) next last year. Um, Do we know his timetable? Is he Uh, almost back? I would assume after the bye, he's got to be back. Okay. He's been practicing. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. So why not? Let's keep him out until after the bye. Yeah, for sure. Get him as healthy as possible and then Hopefully we can kind of over that bye week refresh and come out guns blazing. Yep. And then it shouldn't after the bye week too, it shouldn't be too many more weeks before Shaq's back in the lineup as well. And mm-hmm. then we should finally see Shaq, Duke, and Kyran all in this offense this year. And can't forget Kean. Kean Schaefer Baker. And yeah, and then like we said, we got two unreal backs. Like yeah. That's the thing, like that, and that's why we were so high coming in the season. Is like we have absolute weapons everywhere. Yeah. And our defense wasn't supposed to, like we knew our defense was going to be good, but they weren't supposed to be the, the bedrock of this team. Exactly. It just sucks that the question we're still saying is, what's happening with our offensive line? I know, and. Even that, like, I thought I figured we were going to be pretty good heading into the year, like, at least serviceable. And I don't think we've been terrible. No. But, like, well, especially considering, you know, losing Dan Clark and whatnot. But no, if we can, if we can get him back by the Grey Cup, like he said, we should, we should be half decent at the, like, yeah. we've got all the pieces there. That's the thing. We do. I still think this team should be maybe looking elsewhere for a piece on this offensive line. Oh, for sure. I think I got to think they must have already reached out to Brendan Labatt for sure. And I got to think they must have reached out, out to Brett Jones. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like I like I know I know the Brett Jones thing like we all got real excited about it and it was swirling for a while. I don't know what he's doing. No, I don't either. Like he was, he was with the Broncos last year. Yeah. And then he got hurt in camp. So then we had to keep him on the roster all year. Yeah. And then that was, that was the last I kind of heard of him. And then until his name came up again and like, what a great idea that would be. Yeah. But yeah, like, I don't know, maybe he's, maybe he's moved on. Like maybe he's decided to go do the, the doctor thing or whatever he was doing. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I think another interesting thing will be come trade deadline in the CFL because there's always the chance of making a move at that point too. Well, and honestly, I think like if we make a move, that's going to be where, where we yeah. make it. I'm not sure when the trade deadline is. Let's find out. CFL trade. And while you do that quick, I know non-rider related, one name I think we should keep an eye on. Like, I don't think anything's imminent, obviously, but there was a trade earlier this year where uh, I don't even remember who Edmonton makes all the trades. Let's assume it's them. They traded for uh, Duvernay Tardif's rights. If he doesn't make it with uh, the Jets, nobody picks him up. Yeah, that, uh, that was 
Montreal traded for his rights. Okay. Well, yeah, French makes sense. But like what like what a piece that would be if somebody was able to pull that off this season. That was another thing I was questioning with the riders was that move. Our offensive line, the way it is right now, why the hell were we not all in on trading for his rights if they were available? That should have been priority one if 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 Calgary was saying, hey, his rights are up for grabs, we should have been front runners in that for sure. Right. And I, I see that, but I also like I feel like this was more of a, a Montreal went and went and got him kind of thing. Yeah. And even so, like I I would feel I would be a bit upset or disappointed, I guess, if we put together a decent trade package for him and then he, you know, he doesn't get cut from New York or he doesn't stick around the league. Yeah. And then that's one trade or those whatever we would have traded for him. Now we don't have that to go get someone who's actually playing the league. I can't find the actual trade deadline. I assume it's sometime in October. So that's what's in the past. So yeah, that would we'll see what happens around then. But we should move on to this week in the CFL week eight. We got four games here to pick and go through. So let's start it off with Thursday night football. It is the Montreal Alouettes taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Okay, so that's a good game. Yeah. For for East Eastern Division purposes. Um that's a tough call. Like if you if you go based on quarterbacking, like you probably wanna well, even that's a toss-up. Like it is right now. Dane like Evans Trevor, is really taking a step forward this season from where the season started for him. Trevor mm-hmm. Harris maybe is regressing a little bit. But even him, since he took over for Vernon Adams, yep. like it feels like he's doing better. Yep. But then you think of the defenses here, like I would probably give Hamilton the edge in defense. Yeah. And special teams, probably Montreal, in my opinion. That, oh, that's a tough game. Where is this one? Uh, in Hamilton. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Hamilton here then. Just home field advantage. If they're starting to get hot, whether it's hot, hot or whatever, but yeah, they're starting to pick it up. I, I'll, I'll ride with Hamilton this week. I think I need another game or two to really start trusting the Tiger Cats again mm-hmm. after the way this season started. So in this one, I'm going to go Montreal. I do have Dave's pick here. He is away, but he has made his picks in this one. He is taking Hamilton as well. Still so, true with me and me and Davey riding together this year. There we go. Moving on to Friday night football. We have the BC lions heading to Regina to take on the Saskatchewan rough riders. This one's really interesting because it really depends on Cody, are we playing Cody? Are we not playing Cody? And even so, is an injured Cody going to be better than a healthy Mason Fine or a healthy Jake Dolagala? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing is like we don't know who's going to start. I think it's really got to come down to Cody or Jake. Like nothing against Mason Fine, but just with how well Dolagala did play against Toronto. And then Cody's obviously our guy if he's healthy, but kind of like 
I think we, I don't think we were started yet, but I think, uh, I think we should let Cody sit another week. That'll be a full three weeks off because in the long run, we need him healthy for later in, in the season. So I, I would start Jake and even then, like, I don't, this pick is real hard for me. It is. Even if it is, yeah, like you said, even if it is Dolagala, because he didn't look bad, and he'll have a lot more weapons around him. He'll have Duke Williams back from suspension, uh, so that's a big weapon to have. Uh, Morrow will be in there. Uh, Hickson is out in this one. Uh, the Riders have re-signed Shaq Cooper, so we'll see what happens in the running back position, but knowing Jason Moss, it won't be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think for me this week, I'm going to, I think I, I told you BC beforehand. I'm going to flip. I'm going to go with the riders and it. based on like, if Dola get, I'm hoping Dola Gallo starts, but he played well. Our defense is still really good. Um, I know it was preseason, but we did beat BC in the preseason. I'm pretty sure. No, we lost. We did lose. Okay. Well, we played him well in the preseason. Oh, we yeah, beat we... him in, in week two. That's what I'm thinking of. Was it week two? We haven't played BC yet. I'm thinking the Edmonton game. Ah. Anyways, I'm riding with the Riders because the last time we had a Friday night game, I don't know, I don't, I don't think you were there, but Friday night games at Mosaic are absolute electric factories. Like, it gets yeah. so rowdy in there. Everybody's, you know, it's Friday night. You got nothing to do. Everybody gets loud. Everybody goes. Like, I think I got to stick with the boys. I got to, I think we can pull it out. Love it. Uh, I am also going Saskatchewan in this one. I have a hard time ever not going Saskatchewan, so I will take them in this one. I think when it comes to quarterback, Jake Dolagala should start, and I think for the season on now, when Cody is healthy, Jake Dolagala should be two on the depth chart. I'm sorry, Mason Fine. I'm sorry that yep. you got COVID and it lost you your backup quarterback spot, but mm-hmm. that's how this business works. Well, and even for like short yardage stuff, like you'll like you, you see it in the league. Like if you have a big, big quarterback for sneaks, like he falls forward three yards. Like exactly. It just makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Dave is going with BC in this one. The first non-riders pick in a rider game on this podcast. So Dave's got some balls on him. Trendsetter. Yeah. Moving on to the Saturday game. It is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Calgary Stampeders. Game of the week, I would think. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is an interesting one. It was it was a tight, tight game two weeks ago. And it ended in such unfortunate fashion for the Calgary Stampeders. Was it Kamar oh. Jordan that dropped it? Yeah. In the end zone, Kamar Jordan? Well, it's not boat. so much dropped it as passed it right to the yeah both threw him a dime in the end zone and he couldn't hold on to the ball as he hit the ground and popped up right into can't remember whose hand it was but it was a it was a bomber's hands so yeah that ended the game uh this one in calgary this time yeah i mean it's it's always hard to pick against an undefeated team that's a wagon like winnipeg is but i'm gonna go calgary um Coming off a bye, they gave him a scare last week. And 
like we we talked about, like they played Edmonton pretty close last week. Winnipeg did. So I think, and I think I don't know the stats, but I I feel like I remember Craig or Dave Dickinson is typically unreal off a of bye. So yeah. I I think everything's just kind of they're fresh, they're rested, they're at home. I saw today their attendance has been getting better every home game. Like I, the cards are all there for them to upset Winnipeg. I picked against Winnipeg last week because I thought it was going to be the trap game. They proved me wrong, and I'm done picking against Winnipeg. So I am picking Winnipeg in this one. As is as is Dave, going with the the undefeated here. Moving on to the final game of the week, we have the this again a Sunday game. Good job, CFL. I know this is definitely because Toronto couldn't get Saturday at BMO, but that's okay. We still get a Sunday game out of it. <laughs> this is a good one. This will be a good judge too, because this is Sunday. I guess out out east it'll be it'll be five o'clock, but here in Saskatchewan it'll be three o'clock. So that's a cool afternoon cool. Sunday game that, like that that I think you'll get a lot of West viewership from. Yeah, for sure. Um, who are they playing? You didn't say. Uh, Ottawa. Ottawa. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, Battle of Ontario. Oh, I mean, you you gotta go with Toronto here. Like, Ottawa is kind of a dumpster fire, and yeah. Whether or not they beat us by, you know, ten and like a touchdown, the week before, you're they're riding a two game heater. They're coming home. Not that that matters much to them, but. It's yeah, it doesn't look good for Ottawa. I, I think it's easy here to go with Toronto. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Toronto too. I don't think Toronto's a great team. I think they're definitely got some and, and credit to them, they did get the wins over Saskatchewan. But I still don't think that really has elevated them in a way they would hope it would. Mm-hmm. But they are playing the 0 and 6 Ottawa Red Blacks. So I'm going to give them the dumb at the, the dub in this one. Uh, I don't know Dave's um, backing of this, but he is taking Ottawa in this one. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I can't try to explain it for him, but I love it. Yeah. So good job, Dave. Uh, taking the Ottawa Red Blacks. And that does wrap up week eight in the cfl what are we going to do without Braden johnson's weekly comment on our instagram post with his picks because <laughs> they'll be on the graphic oh dear <laughs> I don't know. i'll i'll think up something clever i'll okay. sprinkle in there okay good uh i'll chirp, cool. chirp dave or something for his auto pick ah sounds like the plan uh, closing thoughts on this one, Braden. Uh, honestly, like I think Sunday Sunday game, a great time slot, probably not going to be a great game, but I think the first three have a lot of potential to be some real good ball games. So I just think we're, we're in for a good week. Another good week is CFL football. I do too. As always, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the booth EC. Check out the merch store. Links to that in our bios. As always, I've been Rich. 
Dave's not here, but Braden's here. Thanks for coming on the pod this week. Thanks for having me. And this has been the Booth Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Booth Podcast.